0: I feel impressed on the Lord to address. I'm not always entirely certain why the Lord wants me to say what I'm going to say, but uh, the Lord always knows. Amen. And maybe just maybe uh, someone here tonight needs to hear what I want to tell you. Praise God! In fact, I got a feeling a lot of us do. Amen. The Book of Numbers, Chapter Eight. I want to read tonight just the first three verses, Numbers chapter 8, and we will make up for that in uh, the other scriptures we read after you are seated, but uh, Numbers chapter 8 beginning with verse 1, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto Aaron, and say to him, when thou lightest the lamps... The seven lamps shall give light over against the candlestick. And Aaron did so. He lighted the lamps thereof over against the candlestick as the Lord commanded Moses. Amen. What is there to preach in this passage? (laughs) Hallelujah. I want to focus specifically on the first phrase of verse 3. And Aaron did so and Aaron did so praise God let's uh, one more time pray and ask the Lord to speak to us Uh, I, I am convinced church that our heart is like soil and it must be prepared to receive the seed of God's Word if that seed is going to produce any lasting results Amen. And so I want us to pray that God will open our hearts and let us receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save our souls. Amen. Let's pray together right now everybody. Lord, in Jesus. name. Can we praise him together, everybody? Amen. Let's offer some worship to the Lord. Let's offer some worship to the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The setting of Numbers chapter 8, of course, chronologically follows chapter 7 and what is taking place In Numbers chapter 7 is that the tabernacle has just been erected for the very first time. Uh, We see this in Numbers chapter 7 verse 1.
1: And it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and and had anointed it and sanctified it and all the instruments thereof, both the altar and all the vessels thereof, and it anointed them and sanctified them. Right,
0: so, so we see on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle. He anointed it. He sanctified it. In other words, it was dedicated and consecrated to the service of God. And it was in this setting that things began to transpire. I want you to imagine for just a moment what must have been in the eyes of the Israelites you know it's one thing if you've ever and some of you work construction you know what it's like to look at a set of blueprints it's one thing to see the blueprints but it's another thing to stand back and see the building actually constructed and and uh, I, I, to my knowledge Israel didn't ever see a set of blueprints but Moses had the blueprints in his mind and perhaps he had described it to them perhaps he had not uh, he was just instructed by God as to how to build it, and to these to these Jews who are uh, recently liberated from their bondage, they are looking now at a place where their God is going to meet with them and commune with them and 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 talk to them. And we spent some time talking about the tabernacle, teaching on it. Uh, one Sunday morning many many months ago and even showed pictures of a reconstruction of the tabernacle and so you can you can only uh, Imagine in your mind what was going through their minds uh, when they saw this building erected for the very first time Something began to happen in the hearts of the people and and I want you to notice And we're just reading these verses straight through verse 1 talks about on the day that Moses erected it and sanctified it it came to pass
1: all. On that day that something happened. Read verses 2 and 3. That the princes of Israel, heads of the house of their fathers, who were the princes of the tribes, and were over them that were numbered, offered. And they brought their offering before the Lord, six covered wagons wagons. and twelve oxen. A wagon for two of the princes and for each one an oxen. And they brought them before the tabernacle. So it
0: was that at looking at this building, the hearts of the people of God were so moved. They said, we want to do something. We want to give something to God. We, we, we want to further this effort. We want to stand behind what's going on here. That they, they, they were moved. I, I don't read where Moses commanded them to do this, but, but something happened in their hearts that they said, this is what we want to do. This is what we desire to do. And, and it was almost as if every one of them had the exact same thought at the exact same time. And they loaded these covered wagons, hitched them to the oxen, and brought them before the tabernacle.
1: And the Lord spoke to Moses in chapter 7, verses 4 through 6. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take it, of them, Take it of them, that they may be to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt give them unto the Levites, to every man according to his service. And Moses took the wagons of the oxen, and the oxen, and gave them unto the Levites. All right, now, now just stay with me. So so these people
0: just come together in this amazing show of unity, and and they bring this Unbelievable offering to the tabernacle. And the Lord speaks to Moses and said, You accept it and you present it to the Levites. I'm going to use what they've brought. I've I've got plans for this. And you you go ahead and allow them to give what they want to give. I've I've got a job for this. I've I've got a purpose for all of this. And so he accepted it and gave it to the Levites. And then the Lord spelled out exactly how he wanted these offerings
1: presented. Uh, let's skip on down now to verse number 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, they shall offer their offering, each prince on his day, for the dedicating of the altar. And so the Lord said to Moses, here's the way I want it done.
0: I know they've come together. I know they've brought this whole thing together in in the carts and with the oxen, but really the way I want it done, I want each tribe to present their offering separately. I want them to do it. I'm going to give each of them a day where they come and give their offering aside and apart from what everyone else is doing. Now what's amazing as you read through Numbers chapter 7, amen, as, as uh, they begin, to, and, and Numbers chapter 7 is an extremely long chapter, 89 verses long. That's a lot longer than most other chapters in the Bible. But what you find here, amen, is a list of the day-by-day sacrifices that were offered by the princes or the leaders of each tribe of Israel. Amen. Stay with me here uh, tonight. Now, now, now I'm going to just show you what, what happens. Read verses 12 to 17. This is just the first
1: day. This is what's offered. And he that offered his offering the first day was Nashon, the son of Amenadab of the tribe of Judah. And his offering was one silver charger. here's what he brought, a silver charger. The weight thereof was an hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl of seventy shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. Uh Both of them were full of fine flour mingled with oil for a meat offering. Uh One spoon of ten shekels of gold full of incense. Spoon of ten shekels of
0: gold that was filled with incense. One young bullock. They brought a young bull.
1: One ram, a ram. One lamb of the first year, a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering. Uh huh. One kid of the goats for a a sin offering of the goats, and for a sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen. Two more oxen. Five rams. Five rams. Five he goats. Five he goats. Five lambs of the first year. Five lambs of the first year. This was the offering of Nasi. Now that's quite an offering. That's quite an offering. And to get through all of
0: this, and to sacrifice all of this, and to offer all of this, was a full day affair. Now what you read as you go on through chapter 7, and, and, and some of you in your Bible reading may have gotten to this point and thought, you know this is monotonous, because the only thing that differs from day to day is who the person is that's offering. But you find that with every tribe they made the exact same offering. They all brought exactly the same thing. This was, as I said, an unbelievable display of unity among the people. And so for 12 straight days, there was an elaborate procession of offering that was presented and watched by the people of Israel. 12 days this goes on. Twelve days they're making their offerings. They're burning their sacrifices. They're presenting their, their pieces of, 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 of uh, 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 furnishing here and, and, and the oil and the flour and all the things that are brought. Twelve days this goes on. But what you're going to find as each tribe goes, and if you read and take the time to read through chapter 7, you're going to find the listing of the twelve days that, that, that go and you're going to see there is one tribe who did not present an offering. And there were 12 days and 12 offerings, but one tribe did not present an offering. And and that tribe was the tribe of Levi. Instead of that, the reason there were 12, Joseph received a double portion. His two sons stepped up, one son taking his place, the other son taking the place of Levi. And so Ephraim and Manasseh were counted as full heirs with their uncles. Those two... Uh, we're allowed to make sacrifices. But, but all that's another, another point for another day. What I want to say to you is here is the tribe of Levi who is charged with presenting these sacrifices, making these sacrifices, giving these offerings, who is not allowed to bring an offering at all. Now can you imagine again what's going on in the minds of the people as one by one and I believe this is why God went through this somewhat seemingly monotonous uh, list of saying each one brought exactly the same thing because God wanted everyone to see that this was an equal offering from everybody that, that everybody felt exactly the same way about the tabernacle everybody was just as involved as everybody else and, and I'm telling you I believe that as the days passed and the people watched and, and, and it was the same thing over and over and over, the people stood in awe. They patted one another on the back. They said, we have really heard from God. We have really done a great thing. We have pulled together as God's people. We're accomplishing something wonderful. God is sending us a great blessing. There's revival in the camp. There's great things ahead. And all the while, Aaron, the high priest, is having to stand and just watch this. And he's not allowed to make an offering. And he's not allowed to bring these things from his tribe. Now, I don't know how he felt, but I think I have a good idea. I think I have a pretty good understanding of what it must have been like for Aaron to stand there with his hands tied. And say, I want to be a part of this. I want to do something great. I want to give like this. But I can't. Well, hallelujah. And so, and so, at the conclusion of the 12 days, with Aaron standing there, No doubt wanting to be a part of this display of unity. No doubt wanting to give just like the other tribes gave. He he wanted his tribe to participate. He wanted his own family to be a part of this. I believe with all of his heart he wanted to be a part. And at the end of that 12-day procession, the Lord gives instruction to Aaron as to what he is to do. Numbers chapter 8, verses 1 and 2.
1: The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron. Tell Aaron. And say unto him, When thou lightest the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light over against the candlestick.
0: And the only instruction God gives at the conclusion of this big offering and this tremendous procession was Aaron, you just light the lamps. That's all I want you to do. You just light the lamps. Amen. You make sure that the lamps are lit. Now that, that doesn't seem nearly as noble in my mind. It, it doesn't even uh, come close to being as commendable as the procession of the elaborate offerings that have gone on. And, and this is the command God gives Aaron. Just light the lamps. Now, Aaron could have copped an attitude. He could have. He could have said, "Look, you're, you're downplaying me. You're, you're, you're not allowing me to do what everybody else is doing. Light lamps after everybody's brought all these bulls and goats and, and rams and lambs and, and, and uh, vessels, and, and, and all I get to do is go light a lamp." And Aaron could have been upset, he could have been embarrassed. He could have been angry. But the beautiful thing is what the Bible says in verse 3.
1: And Aaron did so.
0: And Aaron did so. He didn't complain about it. He didn't gripe about it. He didn't try to do more. In fact, the English rendition of the Hebrew Bible says, And Aaron did just so. In other words, he did no more than what God told him to do. He didn't go one step further than what the Lord expected. He wanted to be a part of that procession. He wanted to show that he had as much unity as everyone else. But Aaron did just so. He did only what God told him to do. One rabbi said, the literal Hebrew of that is, and Aaron did in the affirmative. In other words, he did just as he was instructed. Now, I ask you, why does the Bible go to the trouble of pointing this out? Isn't that to be expected? I mean, shouldn't Aaron have done so? When God spoke to him and told him what to do, should he not have done exactly what he was told to do? Of course he should have. But again, I, I refer to a rabbi. I, I was doing the readings of a particular rabbi and when this, this caught my attention. And and he, he said that in this particular passage, what the Torah is showing is a characteristic of Aaron of, and I quote, not interpolating his own ego, his own idea, his own way of doing things into his role as high priest. In other words, Aaron was not about showing off. Aaron was not trying to prove that he was better than anyone else or even equal to anyone else. Aaron just did what God said and was content to to just do so. Well, hallelujah. Can I tell you tonight that sometimes it's not easy to just do so. In accordance with the will of God to those who aspire to greatness or feel that greatness is their prerogative, amen, they usually do exactly the opposite of what Aaron did. They want to elaborate on it. They want to add something to it. They they want to get the attention of the others. They want to feel included. They want to be a part. They want somebody to notice them. They want a pat on the back. But for Aaron, that was not his attitude. He said, God, if everybody else is doing great things and my lot is just light a lamp then I'm gonna light the lamp I'm not going to embellish I'm not gonna add to I'm only gonna do what you asked me to do I won't go one step further I'm telling you church and again I don't really know all the reasons why I feel like God brought this to my attention but I'm telling you that it is far too common in the church that people do things not because God tells them to do it, not because it is just right to do it, but they do it because they want someone to notice, they want someone to pat them on the back, they want to be recognized. They want, uh, and 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 I know, I know, I know what we're about to do in a little while. But you just hang with me for a little while, hey, Amen. I'm just telling you tonight that at some point we've got to develop an attitude in our heart that says, God, uh, I'm not going to try to improve on what you tell me to do I'm going to just bide my time I'm going to wait things out I'm going to do only what you have spoken to me to do I'm not going to do anymore not going to try to do anymore I'm just going to follow your commands well hallelujah amen. the apostle Paul warned against doing things for our own glory 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 29
1: that no flesh should glory in his presence.
0: And we're going to talk more about that verse before I finish tonight. But Paul said that no flesh should glory in his presence. I'm going to tell you, God... God was just as pleased with Aaron lighting the lamp, amen, as he was with the willing sacrificial giving of the people, amen. They made a big display, not for display purposes. They did it of a free will. They did it of a willing heart, and God was pleased, and God accepted it, and God told Moses he accepted it. But I'm telling you, God was just as impressed, amen, with a man who did nothing more than light the lamps, God was just as pleased. God was just as happy with a man who only lit the lamps in this great procession as he was those who made the procession possible. Well, hallelujah. You know, I, I just... I just felt like talking to us tonight from my heart a little bit. Amen. That sometimes we just do what we know we got to do. We're not doing it for anybody to pat us on the back. We're not doing it for anybody to feel good about us. We're not doing it for any kind of recognition. We just want to do what's right. Well, hallelujah. And we want to do it with the right spirit. And we want to do it with the right attitude. Whatever we're called to do, we should never, never be guilty of trying to, as the rabbi said, interpolate our own ego into the job. Just do what God asks, exactly as he asks, and leave the rest to him. Now, I want you to think about a man by the name of Naaman. He's an interesting character in the scripture. He was a great man. Who obviously had a very great ego. He really did. And as I went back and began to study this man a little more this afternoon, I saw even more clearly just how great his ego was. The Bible tells us about this man who was the captain of the host of the king of Syria, but he had contracted the fatal disease of leprosy. And in spite of a past record of being a very valiant warrior, there now was no hope for his future for leprosy was incurable. He was on a downhill slide and fast. But the king loved him, and Naaman obviously loved the king. And uh, there was a little maid who had been taken captive from the land of Israel who made a suggestion one day, and I want you to pay attention to what she suggested. Second Kings chapter 5, verses 2 and 3.
1: And he brought the letter to the king of Israel. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife, and she said unto her mistress And she said to her mistress Would God would God My Lord Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria were with
0: whom the Prophet. Everyone say the prophet would God that my Lord were with the prophet that is in
1: Samaria. For he would recover. For he would
0: recover him of his leprosy. But instead of going to the prophet, look where Naaman goes. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 6. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel. Wait a minute. He brought the letter where? To the king. He didn't go to the prophet. He went to the king. He wanted to talk to somebody with some importance. This is a big man. This is a tough man. I'm not going down to that preacher's little shack. I want to talk to somebody that can get things done. So he went to the king. Amen. And of course the king couldn't help him. In fact, the Bible says when the king read it, he read his clothes. He said, am I God? What am I supposed to do? How am I going to fix it? I can't cure leprosy. Somehow the prophet Elisha got wind of what had taken place in the palace. And he sent word to the king. And he said to him, have Naaman come to me. That's insult number one. This is an important man. The prophet could very easily have gone to the palace. But instead he said tell him to do what he was supposed to do in the first place send him down here to me and so Naaman complied but i want you to notice what happens verse 9 2 kings 5 verse 9
1: so Naaman came with his horses and chariots came his with his chariots, horses and his chariots and stood at and the door of, of and stood at the door
0: He didn't even get invited in. Really? I mean, this is an important man. This is a powerful man. And Elisha didn't even say, oh, come in. I'm honored to have you. He stood at the door. Well, hallelujah. It doesn't get any better.
1: Verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him.
0: And Elisha. Didn't even get out of his lazy boy. Elisha didn't even put down the Jerusalem Times. He sent somebody else out there. Go out there and tell him something for me. I'm not even going to speak to him. Now, listen, you may think that was no big deal, but I'm going to tell you it was. And I'm going to prove it to you when we finish this verse. Uh, read on.
1: Say, go and wash Here's in Here's the, the Jordan message. Seven go and times. wash in Jordan seven times. And thy flesh, thy flesh shall come, again to, come again to thee. And thou, shalt, and be thou clean. shalt
0: be clean. Amen. Go and wash in Jordan. And so Elisha didn't even speak to this man personally. And I'm telling you, that bothered Nathan, I mean Naaman, greatly. Read verse 11 now.
1: But Naaman was wroth. Naaman was wroth. And went away. And went away and said, said, Behold, I thought thought, he will surely come out out to me. And stand.
0: Now listen, I'm telling you, one of the things that made Naaman mad was the fact that Elisha didn't come out of the house. I thought surely he'd at least come out. If he's not going to invite me in, at least he'll come out and speak. I mean, I can kind of understand I'm a leper. He may not want me in his house. But he could at least come outside and talk to me. I thought surely he would come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. I thought we were going to have a great procession here. I thought this was going to be a wonderful healing service. And I thought I would be the star attraction. I'm reading between the lines, but that's what he's saying. In fact, let's read on, verse twelve. The, you know what? What the messenger told Naaman was, "You go down
1: to Jordan and wash. Are not Abana and far, far the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean?" So he turned and went away in a rage.
0: I mean, it's insult after insult after insult. He won't even invite me in. He won't come out and speak to me. He sends a messenger to talk to me. And then he tells me, go get in the muddy Jordan River and dip there. I've had all of this guy I care to have. It's just one insult on top of another. And I'm too good for all of this. But thank God, one of the servants
1: took the risk of telling Naaman the truth. Verse 12, read. And the servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, thing, wouldest thou not have done it? Wouldest thou not
0: have done it?
1: How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? You understand what that servant's saying to him? You know, if he'd
0: have asked you to go out here and conquer a city, man, you'd have mounted your horses and you'd have done it. If he'd have asked you to tear down a building, you'd have had your sword out trying to dig between the bricks. If he'd have asked you to do something where you would get some applause and some notice, you'd have been ready and willing to do whatever he asked. But he asked you to go to some uh, isolated spot where nobody's going to see you and get down there and get a little dirty. That's all he asked. But he said, if you'll do that, you're going to get your healing. I'm asking you, isn't it better to just do what you're asked to do rather than try to seek the glory? Well hallelujah, hallelujah. So it was that when Naaman finally humbled himself enough to do just so, God healed him. Verse 14,
1: then then went he down and dipped himself seven seven times seven times times in Jordan. According to the According saying, to of, the the man saying of, God, of the man of God. And his flesh and his came flesh again came like unto again, the like flesh, unto of, a the flesh child, of a little child. And he was clean.
0: And he was clean. Amen. Amen. I, I'm telling you tonight, church, that sometimes it is the small little things that we do. Sometimes it's just doing what seems mundane, what seems to us to be just, just a ritual, what, what seems to us to be just, you know, just doing the bare necessities that God is most impressed with. Can I tell you, God's not nearly so impressed with somebody that gets stirred up and goes on a 14-day fast and prays two hours a day and does that for the 14 days and then grows carnal and doesn't pray again for another two weeks. He's not nearly so impressed with that as he is with somebody that gets up every morning and spends a few minutes talking to the Lord, a few minutes reading a few verses of Scripture. May not be doing a whole lot, but God's looking at what they're doing. And I'm telling you, sometimes just the trivial task is what really gets the blessing of God. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But can I tell you that really what Aaron was asked to do really wasn't that trivial. It really wasn't. It may seem like it was when you think about just lighting a lamp. I mean, anybody can light a lamp. But this was far more significant than that. Again, I refer back to the writings of the rabbi that I've been reading. And and he said, when Aaron kindled the lamps... He was bringing into this world the supernal, limitless light of the Holy One. He went on to say, far be it from Aaron to impose the shadow of his own ego upon the light of God's embrace. In other words, what job could be greater than to shine a light in a dark world? To do it without trying to bring impression upon yourself. Without trying to get somebody else to notice. But just to do it for the sake that the world needs a light. What could be greater than lighting this dark world? We understand that the lamp, amen, is symbolic in scripture of two things. First of all, Psalm Psalm 119
1: verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my thy path. Thy word, thy word, thy word is a lamp and a light. Thy word is a
0: lamp and a light. But it goes beyond just his word. Matthew chapter 5 verses
1: 14 to 16. Jesus is speaking and he says this. "Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, they put it under a, a bushel, but on a candlestick. Right. And they give it light it unto gives all light that are in to the house. All that are in the house. Let your light Let so your shine, your shine light before men So
0: shine before me. That they may, see, that your they good may works. see your good works and glorify your father. Listen, I I get so tired of hearing people say, oh, don't preach works, don't preach works, don't preach works. If we're not going to preach works, let's cut the whole book of James out of the Bible. In fact, let's take the book of Matthew out as well. Jesus said, you need men to see your works. That's a light. That's the only light they can see. I'm telling you, when folks tell me, well, Jesus, the, the Lord looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. You're exactly right. And it's men that I'm trying to win. I want this world to see something in me. Amen. I want them to see a difference. I want them to see that there is happiness in a troubled world. I want them to see that there is peace in times of confusion. I want them to see something in my life that they're not finding anywhere else. I'm telling you, the world is getting darker by the minute. But the church is called to be a light to this world. That's not a mundane task. It is a great honor. It's a tribulation. Tremendous responsibility! You may not be directing a thousand-voice choir. You may not be heading up a 500-child Sunday school. But you're letting your light shine everywhere you go. When you go into the grocery store. When you walk on the job. Amen. When you get around your family, you're letting your light shine. I'm telling you, honey, don't feel bad about that. Just let your light shine. Hallelujah. I've been there in the large conferences, tens of thousands of people. It's time to receive an offering. And various folks would write their name on a pledge card and send it up. And they'd read the pledge so and so, such and such church gives $10,000. And the crowd applauds. But I've also been on some of those committees. And I know that a lot of those folks that sent in the cards never sent a penny behind the pledge they made. They did it for one reason and one reason only. The accolades of men. The applause of men. That's all they were interested in. They wanted to hear their name called. They wanted to be recognized. They wanted someone, and in fact, some that sent in, can I tell you, and I'm not being judgmental, I'm just stating the facts. I know enough about human nature to know this is true. Some who did send in money did it only so they could be applauded, so they could be recognized. Amen. But can I tell you that many, many times people went home from those conferences who didn't have a dime to give but they did far more to advance the cause of God when they got back home than the people who were writing out the checks for thousands of dollars. Well, I'm telling you the truth. Amen. I, I, I just, I don't know church, somehow this caught my attention as I was reading through this. That here was all the great procession of the offerings of the people. And I believe their spirit was right. I believe their attitude was right. I believe God was pleased with what they did. I'm not, I'm not condemning them. But there was just something in this lone act of Aaron the high priest that stood out to me. When God looked down and said, I want the whole world to know. All I asked him to do was light a lamp. And he did it. He did exactly what I asked Him to do. There are many tasks which the people of God can do. But none is so great as simply bringing light to a dark world. This may not seem as great as the offerings others are called upon to present publicly. It may not seem as great as the positions which others are asked to fill. But I'm telling you, it is perhaps the greatest of honors that is afforded the child of God. Simply to be a light to a dark world. Well, hallelujah. Amen. In fact, I told you I wanted to come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29. And I want to do that now because I want you to see the context of this verse. 1 Corinthians 1, 29 says... Then
1: no flesh should glory in his presence.
0: I want you to see what it was Paul was talking about when he wrote those words. Read verse 18. This is just a little bit of the context. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But read verse 18.
1: For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. The
0: preaching of the cross. The preaching of the cross. Amen. Telling others about a Savior that died for them. That seems foolish. That that seems nonsensical. But he said that's where it's at. To us which are saved, it's
1: the power of God. Verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased pleased God God by the foolishness of
0: preaching preaching to save them that believe. believe. To save them that believe believe hallelujah amen what's he talking about he's talking about expanding or expounding upon the gospel he's talking about shining a light in a dark world that was verse 21 let's pick up
1: with verse 23 and read through the end of the chapter for well, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. Yes. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ. Christ. The power, the of, power God, of God. And the wisdom of God. And the of wisdom of God. God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser. It's than wiser men, than men. And the weakness, the of, weakness God is stronger of God than is men. stronger than men. For ye see your calling. And so you see your calling. Brethren, brethren. how that. Not many wise, not men, many after wise flesh, men after the flesh, not many might, They're not, mi- not many mighty, not many, many noble, noble are called, that are called, but God had chosen God. the foolish, God chose chose of the,
0: world the foolish things of the world to confound, to confound the, wise. the wise, and God had God chosen chose the weak things the weak of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base, God things, chose of the base things of the world, world. and things and which are despised, has God chosen, what God
1: has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing. Things that, are, the things that are that no flesh, that no flesh should glory, in, should his glory
0: in his presence but of him are ye in Christ but Jesus who God is, who God made, of is made, us made unto us of wisdom and righteousness, righteousness and sanctification, sanctification and, redemption, and
1: redemption that according as it is written, that according as it's written he that glories, that glories let, him glory let him glory in the
0: Lord, in the Lord. I'm telling you the whole reason Paul said what he did in verse 29 that no flesh should glory in his presence It was all about the delivery of the gospel to a lost world That's not where people Hey, think is the great success of life. That's that's not the way the world looks at it But Paul said it's the greatest job that could ever be accomplished You just go out there tomorrow morning and light your lamp You may not have a thousand dollars to put in the offering plate. You may not have Amen. A beautiful voice to sing with, but you go out there tomorrow, amen, and shine your light to a lost world. I'm telling you, God is gonna smile, amen, when you do just so. Let's stand tonight. Let us not try to outdo someone else. I've seen it happen. People try to outdo one another. Don't don't do that. In fact, don't even try to equal someone else. Somebody said, oh, I want to be just like so-and-so. No, no, no. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You do just so. You do whatever God has called you to do. Amen. Whatever God has asked you to do, that's what you need to do. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Just do your reasonable service. And God will bless the efforts that you present to him, even if it's just lighting a lamp. Let's lift our hands and thank God right now, can we? Come on, let's talk to the Lord. God, I don't want anything that I do for you to be done for the applause of men. For if I seek to please men, then do I cease to be the servant of Christ. I don't want to try to do it so others can recognize me or commend me. What I'm looking for, God, is that one day You will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. I just want to be faithful. I just want to be faithful. I want him to find me faithful. And if that means I spend the rest of my life doing nothing more than lighting some lamps, then I want to light those lamps every day that I live. I want to do what God asks me to do and not try to find something where I can get more glory. I want Him to get the glory. If that's the way you feel, I want you to come and gather around the front. Find a place to pray for a little while. Let's talk to the Lord together. Amen. Let's commit ourselves to Him like never before. That God, if all I'm going to do is light a lamp, then that's what I want to do. That's all I'm looking for, God. I'm not asking for a position. I just want to light a lamp.